Hi, I'm Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors and co-founder of the She Angels Foundation. I'm also the podcast host of Invest in Her and an award-winning producer, author, and TEDx speaker. Our show, Invest in Her, features phenomenal female founders and funders. As you know, women receive less than 2% of venture capital funding. Our series is about accelerating the funding of women by connecting them to funding resources. Let's meet today's guest. Today's guest is Liz Georgie. She is the CEO of Suna and also the founder. It is an amazing photo platform that makes it affordable and easy to create professional content for online. Hi, Liz. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, very cool uh, what you guys have created, um, very necessary, um, and I definitely want to you know give everybody a really good idea today of what Suna is about and how they can use it to better their uh, online content. Uh, first, uh, just a little bit about you. I want to uh, like people to get to know my uh, guest a little bit. You had just shared with me that you were born and grew up in Minnesota. That's correct. I grew up in northern Minnesota, about an hour south of the Canadian border. Oh, wow. And uh, and now you're currently in Colorado. These days, home is Denver, Colorado. That's right. Love it. Love it. And you love it there? Yeah, I seem to love being in places where everything is naturally beautiful and where we uh, get to play outside just as much as we get to play in our businesses. So that tends to be places I feel at home in. I love that. My kind of girl. <laughs> so, um, you know, recently I had you on a um, panel and uh, I was it was it was about uh, women who had raised a lot of money. And we're going to talk about that because people always want to hear about uh, women who have raised a lot of money since, as you and I both know, women get less than two percent of venture capital funding. So when there's a woman like yourself out there who just raised thirty five million dollars, other women want to know how, and I definitely want to talk about that. Um, but I was going to say you were on my panel uh, about women who have raised funding, and I was so impressed with you. I just thought you just gave so many golden nuggets of wisdom, and I'm not surprised to then read that you started something called Candor Clause. And let's talk about that, because as women are out there getting funding and, and, uh, you know, more and more, hopefully, hopefully that's accelerating. That's the purpose of my program and everything I'm doing is, Hey, let's raise awareness. We need more women to become angel investors. We need more female founded funds and we just need women to be overall in general, more aware of venture capital investing, right? Correct. It's a very important topic. Only 2% of venture capital dollars go to female founders right now today. And yet women start 50% of businesses in this country. So we have a massive disparity in funding for female founders. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that you're doing to address a very big issue is about um, the candor clause, which um, from what I understand, and I'm going to let you explain it, but you put a clause when you are getting funding from an entity uh, that basically is going to protect you from sexual harassment and uh, just, you know, inappropriate sexual advances. Um, should that happen 
with the person that is funding your business, which can be very precarious and happens obviously to a lot of women. And I just think it's genius. And I think everybody should know about it. So talk about the candor clause, what, what it is and why you created it. Absolutely. Well, the candor clause is really from an, an invention of my mind, from my own personal experience. Since 2019, when I started Suna, I've raised $51 million in venture capital in total over the course of four fundraising rounds. And in every single one of those fundraising rounds, I've learned something new about how the process is really biased in certain ways and definitely has some inequities built into the process. And one of the things that a lot of folks don't know who maybe are interested in raising venture capital for their business or are starting the process personally is that they're always surprised to find out that the the part of raising capital that is the most invasive is actually a process called due diligence. It's not the pitching your business. It's not the doing the meetings. It's not the PowerPoint presentations. It's a process where the legal counsel of a fund that's interested in investing in you goes about investigating every single claim you've ever made, uh, investigating you as the founder, and spending time interviewing a lot of people in your life. I've had due diligence processes interview my former colleagues, my former bosses, and my ex-boyfriends. So they will call anyone and everyone that they think can speak to the character of the founder and can speak to what the founder is doing. And yet in the founder seat, there is no process for us to ask questions of our investors. Sure, you can have an hour long meeting, but there isn't that same diligence structure that really allows for us as founders to understand what is the history of this investor? What have they historically done in the past? How have they treated other founders? You can call other founders, but the power dynamics are inherently such that most founders don't really want to spill the tea about investors because they're reliant on them for capital. And so what does that mean? It means that it's an inherently flawed system that makes it such that the founders are always on their back foot, really having to provide way more information about themselves than the investors have to provide on their side of the table. So I invented the candor clause with my lawyers to include it in our financing agreements to essentially determine one question and one question only. Have you ever been accused of sexual harassment, gender discrimination, or any other type of discrimination that would be against a group in a protected class? So that's going to be folks of color. That's going to be LGBTQ folks. It really is just an opportunity to say, have you ever been credibly accused of or had any kind of documented evidence against you that you were essentially discriminatory in your behavior? And this going in the clause does two things. One, it requires the investor to disclose to us if it's ever happened. And it gives us the chance to understand the issue, understand why it happened, and understand if there was any resolution to that issue. But the second thing it does, and this is really the most important thing, is after the financing has closed, you've cashed the checks, you have the money, you're moving on. If you were to later discover that that investor did, in fact, not disclose an issue, not tell you about an event that occurred, uh, it gives you as the founder the right to buy them out of the investment at the price they paid during the initial investment. Why is this so important? We don't want bad actors making money on the backs of founders who are working very hard to grow their businesses. And so by being able to have a little bit of power, a little bit of autonomy, and some information rights about our investors, we can know that the relationship is based in solid agreement on what is right and wrong. We can know that the relationship 
involved honesty on both sides. And if it didn't involve honesty, we know that we have a get out of jail card if we need it. I love that. And you know what I love about it, Liz, is like everybody talks about things like, oh, there's sexual harassment and oh, you get in with uh, investors and it's, uh, you know, not a good situation. And how do you get out? And uh, and you actually did something about it. And anybody can go to Candor Clause uh, online and take that clause and put it into their uh, contract agreement, right? 100%. You can go to candorclause.org. That's just C-A-N-D-O-R clause, C-L-A-U-S-E dot org. Download the clause, give it to your lawyers when you're doing a fundraise, give it to your legal counsel when you're closing a financial investment and use it in your conversations. And if your lawyers are telling you that it's dangerous, that it's setting an unusual precedent, that it is highly unusual, which is all things people have anecdotally told me their lawyers have said, it's time to fire your lawyers and find different lawyers. Their job is to protect you. Their job is to really look out for your interest as the founder of that business. And if they don't see this as being in your interest, has someone ever sexually harassed someone in their workplace? Uh, then I don't know that you're going to have a lot of trust and faith in that legal counsel down the long run. So hand it to your invest investors, hand it to your uh, legal counsel and use it in your business. I love your chutzpah. Uh, I mean, here, you know, and you're in your walk in the walk and talk in the talk because, you know, you've raised uh, all these millions of dollars and yet you weren't afraid to put that clause in uh, despite what uh, people said. So um, I think, you know, people need to be braver and not think, oh, well, but I really want the money. And if I have to leave the clause out, you know, that's really a red flag, isn't it? Did, have you had some experiences that caused you to create that candor uh, clause? I have, unfortunately, you know, I think every female founder has had some version of a conversation that didn't go the way that they expected, where someone maybe had a bias against them or said something offensive to them. Or in a worst case scenario, I had an event uh, very early on in my founder journey where someone was essentially repeatedly harassing me via text message. And even though I had text evidence that this person was doing this, uh, it was extremely difficult to figure out what my rights were in this engagement. And again, money, while being an incredibly important part of business, does carry with it different power dynamics. And even though I'm the CEO of a company, and even though I'm a founder of a company and I've raised a lot of money, I've raised it from people and from funds. And I have to answer to those people and I have to answer to those funds. And at the end of the day, you want to be answering to people who are never going to harass you, who are never going to treat you as less than, who are never going to make a weird or snide remark about your background. You want to know that the people that you're working with, that you're getting into business with, have good moral backgrounds and that they have equitable mindsets. One of the things that I think is so pervasive in venture capital is this idea that oh, there's just not enough female founders out there. There's just not enough non-white founders out there. The reality is we're out here. We're working hard. We're making our, our businesses happen. We're getting good traction, but we are inherently treated as less than. And in a financial ar arrangement, it's even easier to be treated as less than. Every single tool that you can put in your toolbox as a founder to not be treated as less than, to really stand up for yourself, to say, I am worth this and I won't tolerate certain things is a tool that you should use. 
Right. Absolutely. Now, this isn't your first rodeo. I know you have had other successful businesses and uh, had an exit from that. Um, so what made you decide to create Suna? And tell us a little bit more about that, how someone would utilize uh, Suna services. Absolutely. Well, there are 12 million e-commerce stores on the internet today, which is kind of unbelievable to wrap your mind around. But there are, in fact, 12 million merchants selling products online. And the thing that all of those stores have in common is that they use a photo to help sell you a product. So whether you're looking at kitchenware or you're looking at clothing or you're looking at furniture, all of these items have photos that either inspire you to buy or inspire you to go away. And we really think that having a positive photographic first impression in your e-commerce store is the difference between having a successful store and having an unsuccessful store. Suna breaks down all those barriers by providing every kind of merchant of any size. So whether you are just getting started on Etsy or you're scaling your business to the next level on Shopify, or maybe you're starting a whole secondary product line on Amazon, we help all these different businesses order a photo shoot entirely online, add the things they need to their photo shoot. Things like adding a model if you want to show off a jewelry product or adding a dog if you want to show off a pet product uh, and choose things like the background color that they need, the environment that they need, the props that they need, and then simply ship us their product. Once it arrives, they get to join a virtual photo shoot. Our virtual photo shoot is really the magic thing behind Suna because you can join your virtual photo shoot from anywhere. Someone just uh, tweeted me this morning a picture of herself joining her virtual photo shoot from her Peloton class. Uh, you can join your virtual photo shoot on your phone and your devices, see every single photo and video clip as it's created in real time. And the thing that our customers just are absolutely goo goo gaga over is the fact that they get to purchase the assets as they go. So instead of paying a ton of money up front to create a photo shoot, you pay $39 per photo, $93 per video clip. You're only obligated to buy the content you truly need and love. And we deliver it the next day. So we truly believe it's the fastest and most affordable way to create amazing content to help you sell your products online. That is, I think it's so cool. And I, you know, I was perusing the site. You have everything from hand models to, uh, like you said, pets or whatever they want to put in the photo. I mean, uh, or video. Um, it's really a very cool idea. Did you did you just sit, say to yourself, "Oh, there's a need for this"? Like, how did you come up with this concept? Well, my first business, sorry, uh, was a business that was focused on high scale production. So for seven years, I worked in productions that were $100,000 or more. And while that's a lot of fun when you're working with the giant brands of the world, the reality is, is, you know, my friends who were starting cookie brands on Shopify or starting kids clothing companies on Etsy simply couldn't afford the professional services that myself and my colleagues provided. And so it was really just a matter of getting super curious. What would have to change about technology? What would have to change about the process? Uh, what would have to change about how we delivered the services that could make it possible for us to make it as affordable as other services you purchase online? And my co-founder Haley and I uh, actually took a trip together just for fun. We went to a painting workshop in Palm Springs in 2018. And over the course of that painting workshop, we both became equally obsessed with this idea of being able to help every single merchant create better content for the internet. And wouldn't you know it, by the time that painting workshop was over, we had sketched out sort of this simple architecture of how you could do a virtual photo shoot. 
And I think Wait, a lot of that, people- Was that that sip and wine? Uh, <laughs> I, I, was no. there wine involved? <laughs> there was no, well, there was wine involved, but it wasn't a sip and wine sponsored event. <laughs> There's always wine involved when I'm- when Right, I'm that's right. On. There go the creative processes. <laughs> it's really helpful for getting motivated and inspired. Uh, but one of the things I always tell people is, you know, my story isn't all that different from a lot of folks who maybe got a great idea with a friend or, you know, noticed a market opportunity. The only difference is, is that then once I went home, I just relentlessly started pursuing it and seeing, could I solve one more problem? Could I solve one more problem? And eventually I had a business and that's really how businesses get done. It's just one decision at a time. Right. Um, I think most people, their minds are blown when you say, you know, you just raised uh, your series B $35 million, no easy feat. How long did it take you to do that? I started the fundraising process in September of 2021 and we closed the round in December of 2021. So it took about three months. Oh, One of you are yeah. amazing. Well, it's different when you're further along in your business journey. So one of the things I always tell people is when you get started, when you first start thinking about fundraising, one of the best things you can do is create dedicated time for yourself to create that pitch deck, create that financial model and create all the ancillary support materials you need to go fundraise in a sprint. I fundraise in highly dedicated sprints. I turn off everything. I turn off meetings. I turn off all my side projects. I turn off all of my tweeting. Uh, I just sit down and really focus on fundraising over a period of time. Because the thing is, is it's extremely emotionally exhausting. It's a lot of first meetings. It's a lot of hard work and you want to be able to have the energy to do it. It's very hard. I think one of the mistakes a lot of first-time founders make is, you know, they try to do it like part-time or 25% of their time over many, many months. And what you're going to find out is that fundraising is a momentum game. You've got to create really strong momentum for people to get interested in investing in your business. And over time, that has just been proven to be true to me again and again. And um, where do you did you get the bulk of your funding? Is it from angel investors? Was it from venture capital uh, funds or was it a combination yeah, the bulk of our funds come from venture capital firms. So Bain Capital Ventures uh, led our Series B and then Union Square Ventures out of New York led our Series A. But we've always taken strategic angels along the way. And I really recommend that folks think about how to get strategic angels invested in your business. Strategic angels make the best introductions. They oftentimes own their own businesses. So I angel invest now on the side as a, as a hobby and as something that I'm interested in. And I oftentimes angel invest in companies that I just want to be involved in. I want to help. I want to be able to support them by giving them the right introductions to great vendors or great partners. Uh, and honestly, if you've done it before, <laughs> you know a heck of a lot about how to do it better the next time. And so getting angel investors is like having kind of a secret set of smart people in your back pocket that you can lean on anytime uh, for really good information. Yeah. And it, I also encourage people to do that too, because uh, it doesn't, you know, put them into debt, you know, but you're getting all these smart brains behind you as well as their funding money. Um, so, uh, good advice. Um, what would be your advice for someone? Uh, they've got a great idea. They, uh, want to go out and get funding. Would you say the very first step would be to make that incre incredible pitch deck and pitch? 
before you even start making a pitch deck, go find someone in your community who's raised venture capital before and ask them everything they did right and everything they did wrong. Uh, you want to know what exactly what you're going to start with. You want to know where the pitfalls might be. You should even try to find somebody who's in an industry adjacent to yours. So giving a clear example of that, if you want to start a marketplace business, go find a founder who also raised money for a marketplace business. If you want to start a software company that's focused on B2B sales, go find a founder who's done that category of business. The reason being is that investors really are hyper-focused on highly specific categories of investments. My investors are generally e-commerce investors, right? So I want to talk to other founders who raised in e-commerce from e-commerce investors. Why is this so important? You're going to shape your pitch deck and you're going to shape the story that you're telling around the types of audiences you're speaking to. And so you want to hear firsthand, what did they like? What didn't they like? What was potentially the most important information? What was the least important information? And get that really clear. And then once you have that, yes, you absolutely want to put together the narrative. And the way I like to put together the narrative is actually starting with a script. What do I want to say first? What do I want to say second? How do I want to wrap that all up with a nice little bow and then turn that into slides? Because what you want to have is you want to have a really compelling story that folks want to get behind. One of the things that is so great about early stage investment is that it's all about, does this founder have the right vision? Is this the right person to do this? And do I believe they can do this? And so having a really strong story really sells the idea that you can in fact achieve this and get investors excited. And then once you've got that great pitch deck, you want to start working on one of the most important documents you will ever have in your life. It should be called your investor intro spreadsheet. So make a list of every investor you want to meet and then look at your network. Who can introduce you to these investors? First-hand introductions are really important. Uh, and you can also, if you don't have a great introduction, find someone on LinkedIn who maybe they've invested in the past. Ask if you can talk to them. Ask if they would be interested in making an introduction. You never know who's willing to help you out. Yeah. And I think more people want to help people out than you think. And it absolutely takes a village. And I, I love your advice. Um, I hope everyone listening who is involved in fundraising will go look at candorclaws.org and will take your advice to talk to other people that are in that same genre uh, of angels that they're looking to reach. Um, like you said, if they're building a marketplace, go talk to someone that has built a marketplace and who they've talked to. Great advice. Um, what's next for you? I'm wholly dedicated to building Suna as big as we possibly can. We have a big, big mission statement of making the internet a more beautiful place, one photo at a time. And uh, we're really committed to that. So we hope folks will come check us out at Suna.co. And of course, if you ever want to keep up with me, the things that I'm advocating for in the world of venture capital, I'm kind of a rabble rouser. I like to point out all the things that aren't so great about the startup industry and celebrate the things that are going right. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can come read my blog anytime at storypreneurship.com. Uh, I hope people will come check it out. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, Suna.co, if you have a business that you need really professional, affordable, fast content, uh, that's the place to go. And um, 
We uh, just really appreciate having you and your wisdom on today. Thanks so much, Liz, for sharing with us. Oh, I'm so happy you got to share this with the world. And thank you for having me. Uh, be sure to look up uh, Elizabeth Georgie on uh, LinkedIn or follow Suna uh, on your social media. Of course, you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Catherine Gray, and our Instagram, which is Catherine Gray Invest in Her. We like to be full of resources to help you have a successful raise and also encourage women to be female investors, angel investors, or limited partners in venture capital firms. We need more of that. Um, of course, you can follow She Angel Investors too on social media. And uh, please reach out to me and Liz, should we be able to support you in your endeavors. Make it a great week, everybody. Thanks again, Liz. Remember, if you're looking to launch a business or grow your business, check out our e-course, Six Ways to Fund Your Business, available at sheangelinvestors.com. Hi, I'm Kai Dickens, the director and co-producer of the new documentary film, Girls Just Want to Have Funds. And I'm the executive producer, Catherine Gray, founder of She Angel Investors. And as you know, women get less than 2% of venture capital funding. And we want to make sure people are educated about that and have the tools to fix it. And a movie is only part of the equation. The next part is an impact campaign, which will help roll our film out to film festivals, to women empowerment groups, to conferences, to universities, anywhere that we can reach people. Absolutely. And helps us create our website and resources so that we can actually help educate people about how they can get involved. So that's where you come in. Your donations help us create this grassroots campaign movement that you can be a part of in so many ways. Thank you so much for your time and hopefully your contribution. We're excited to be on this journey with you.